This is Lincoln's home for sports talk on the FM dial. Also online at theticketfm.com. On the internet. KNTK FM Firth. 93.7 The Ticket. Gather round. This is the Ticket Water Cooler. Brought to you by Culligan of Lincoln. Coming at you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here's your host, Jake Bakoven. Another great day here on the Ticket Water Cooler, and uh, specifically great because it's signing day, so it's always uh, good for Nebraska to wrap up a clap though, class, I should say. Uh, those these days, I don't know what that really means because uh, they still seemingly could add uh, more out of the transfer portal, and, and, and I think that's expected. But as far as the high school kids, uh, they're signed, they're locked away, and the Huskers added a few guys today, um, some higher-end players uh, to round out their class. This is a class that um, had been short on people all along, and and it didn't have a whole lot of headliners, so it was kind of floating there And as far as class rankings go in the 50s. Now it's jumping up there in the top 40s, uh, in the top 40, which uh, I suppose the, the not, is not the goal, but coming off a 3-9 and nine season, and of course, as we know, the, the, uh, um, the, the transfer portal being heavily relied on, I think that's pretty solid. Of course, the transfer portal, as far as the transfer class goes, Nebraska is highly ranked in, in, in that area by a lot of these recruiting sites as well, but today... Uh, uh, maybe haven't you've already run through this, Nick? So maybe yeah. you can help with the pronunciation of the names. I know you're struggling with it with AJ Allen. Yeah, so that one's not the one I was struggling with as much. Um, I know as <laughs> uh, as Janiran. I think that's what we came Janiran? to. Janiran. Janiran. I was Bonner. A- Bonner. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't able to watch the ESPN announcement, so I'm sure they yeah. pronounced it on there. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, two guys they flipped. Yeah, you no, know, it is what it is. It, crowded rooms. But you're a three and nine team that's looking for a guy to step up in in a lot of places. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh, just because I mean, there there is naturally going to have to be some attrition because there's too many scholarship players uh, on the roster. Um, and so for some people, maybe that rubs them the wrong way, thinking, okay, well, how many how many scholarships can they give out? And it's a, it's a very much a confusing world anyway because the the list that they give out. I mean, you can have kind of preferred walk-ons or gray shirts and all mm-hmm. that stuff um, is is becoming more and more difficult to understand, especially, you know, with NIL opportunities. Um, you know, perhaps you could have convinced somebody to walk on and here's your NIL opportunity that would pretty much make up the uh, make up for the loss of, of your scholarship. So it's, it's very confusing what's going on, but ultimately I think that there is uh, cer- certainly going to be a tr- some attrition left um, as we go into the spring. You said you talked about those crowded rooms. I, I love it. I mean, if you're a team that, that is struggling as much as Nebraska is there I, I don't know if I necessarily see uh, too many players on the field that I would say hey you're set as a starter um, you know maybe there are a few positions where they didn't recruit as hard and feel good about the guys in the room but ultimately it's, it's kind of like th- th- there's no promises given to, to these guys you know, they don't feel sometimes in the past whether it's coach Riley or a certain time with Frost it's like is this guy playing because of a promise or <laughs> like yeah. kind of what's going on there um, or you know are you not recruiting that room as heavily because of, of a promise or something like that. This that, it's far from that. It's it's completely. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, especially in those wide receiver, running back rooms. There's going to be a complete open competition for it, and even at quarterback, Coach Frost said today. What's interesting? What something that you just kind of said about there's not a lot of guys on the field that I would say, yeah, you're locked into where you're at, you know, and that's kind of not alarming. That's not the right word for it, but 
that's kind of something to think about is a guy like Turner Corcoran was the first guy that came to my mind, right? Is a guy that switched both left and then right side, um, dealing with injuries. And now, today, Scott Frost mentions that he's a guy that they might look at center. He might play center. Like, I wonder, when is there ever going to be a point where Nebraska, under this staff, is able to have um, confidence and is able to rely on somebody for multiple years at some position like offensive line, like running back, right? There's, there's been those guys that have had those couple game spurts where it's, okay, yeah, this is a guy, now can we get some st- sustained success out of him? And the answer's kind of always been no, whether that's because of injury. Like guy like Teddy Prohaska is one guy that came to my mind where, all right, you feel like he's going to be that anchor or, or some a, a, a stable at the left tackle position, but then he gets hurt. And so, unfortunately, you lose that for a little bit as well. But I, I'm curious, will there ever be a place in where for Nebraska where they don't have to move guys around on the offensive line as much as they are? Where we don't go into a into a season saying, well, I wonder who's going to play center, and that, where does that leave Turner Corcoran? Where does that leave Nuri Nuili? And, and where does that leave Teddy Prohaska when he's in, when he's healthy? It's interesting. And, and it's hard to see that coming up on, upon the horizon, right? I mean, some of these guys are young. If, if you have a steady offensive line, um, which is the ultimate goal, and everybody you know, it, it will tell you um, that's where a good – football team starts is being built strong up front. Um, if you have a steady offensive line and they're young and, and you know, I, I think that some of those guys had the opportunity to do that. I mean, it was certainly there um, based on their age, you know, if they would have shown out, but it wasn't the case. Obviously it was one of the um, worst offensive lines in the country. Um, Nebraska's offense uh, overall was able to kind of get over it at times, but a lot of like third down and longs or, or, you know, pressures that Adrian Martinez had to get away from. And um, you know, obviously the running game didn't get going at at certain times. It's hard to imagine that, that coming over the horizon, but certainly, I I mean, it, it, it just, it goes with, the the record of the team right I mean if you um if you are you know pretty steady at, at 10 and 2 or whatever every season then you're, you're gonna have players that earn that right I mean you, you don't have um you don't just stumble into that you you, you know it, it's a good foundation you got everything that you need um typically you know you're gonna have some turnover regardless like Minnesota's got to replace all their offensive linemen this year yeah. um but you know that it it's it's a lot more steady than 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 the case here at Nebraska, and but you know for it, it and it's kind of a new position for Nebraska to be. I, I I suppose. I mean, they've been in the five and seven doldrums for several years, but three and nine um, is about as low as it can get. So I like the fact that it's just completely opened up. Um, you know, at, at, at pretty much every position offensively yeah. um, to say that. And, and there's a lot of new faces there. So it, it's just uh, it's going to be so much different than what we've seen in the past. And, and there's a new offensive court. I mean, it, it's hard to expect what's coming out in game one. Well, and what's another I, when you look at like the long term, you know, or I should say bigger picture outlook for a program when you find success and looking at like the the next years and things like that you would Nebraska if they were successful in that 10 win team they'd be able to be a lot more selective in the transfer portal right now i'm not saying that they're not already and they're not getting high level guys but like think about a place like Alabama or relate it to Nebraska volleyball in the transfer portal right and i i understand that you're you're dealing with a lot more players and football than you are with volleyball and things like that but like Nebraska volleyball is able to be the most selective as they want to be in the transfer portal because they are a, a solid program 
the whole way through, and they go out and probably get the best transfer available in the country this year in Caitlin Horde. So, like, when you have a stable and, and a very solid program year after year, you're able to be more selective, which is why teams like Alabama are able to be so selective in the transfer portal every single year. Number one, they get high-level com- or you know recruits out of high school, but they're also not having to go into the transfer portal as much as a team like Nebraska is because they have that sustained success and they're, build- they're keeping guys and-, and they're just finding that success on the field, which translates to recruiting off the field as well. Yeah, I mean, and they have. I mean, they- you-, you see them go to get Jamison Williams or, yep. you know, they do, but would they get the, the top-level guys that that want to go compete obviously at Alabama so when they sneak into the portal it's it's only a few guys a year but they they get some of those top end guys um so it's just kind of fascinating um as as Nebraska um like we said uh, added a few guys today um an update from uh, Scott Frost at the at his press conference today did say that uh, Teddy Berhoska and Torna Cochran uh, Corcoran are out for spring ball due to injuries um also be without tight end Travis Vokalek and Damian Jackson uh and likely Gabe Irvin who's going to be at least limited but you know maybe coming back there um and and that's that's all offense I mean other than Damian Jackson um who can, who can play a role on defense and especially special teams but um it, it is it's 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 interesting especially when that spring game or when we see this offensive line come together you expect Teddy Prohaska and Corcoran to be two of those pieces um if they can get healthy um of the five so you know, I, I just think it's another it, – it's not unexpected, right? I mean, Prosca especially was, was kind of coming off that season-ending injury. Um, but it is another hill for this team to climb over. Um, Gabe Irvin, you could also maybe – you know, fit in there as a starter. Travis Vokalek could be a starter. So I don't know if, if if every guy, one of those guys, would win that job. But probably three out of four of them. So when you're thinking of your your offense as they're they're trying to get it get get it going in the spring, get it set, get everybody the terminology. Um, everybody's battling for positions, and you have three to four starters out for the spring ball. Um, it it it. it it sounds like it's it, like that's that's an additional uh, of all the all the obstacles that Nebraska has to overcome, and, and as good of the job as they've done of patching it all together, um, that's that one part that always is going to come up and bite them. And, and, and Scott Frost just hasn't had a whole lot of good luck here. He's mentioned it before. Uh, we kind of tore him apart for bringing up the luck factor, but um, I, you know, I, do you see that as a potential uh, as a potential warning or red flag going into the spring? I would actually go the other way. I'd say it's an opportunity because you have all these guys like in the running back room you have six other scholarship guys outside of Gabe Irvin now um after May right and as of now you would have seven then once DeAndre Jackson gets to campus so like plus you have some other guys that um aren't scholarship guys to maybe step up and and play a bigger role in depth discussions but when, when you're looking at that I guess you know where is Gabe Irvin going to be after his injury right what if Gabe Irvin doesn't come back and he's not um the old Gabe Irvin where it was right before Oklahoma where we kept having the discussions of, yeah, Gabe Irvin's close to turning that corner and taking that job, right? It was it, We were having those discussions before the, uh, the, the early September game against Oklahoma, and it felt like in that game he was really starting to um, make a stride for that number one job. So I, I guess the way I would look at it is when your players like that are out – you would hope that the guys behind them would take a take um, and the opportunity right at its throat and increase their level of play to maybe jump them. And if they jump them, great, because then once Gabe Irvin comes back, he has to win that job all over again. Like I, I don't want them to go back and once they get off of injury or once they get fully healthy, 
just to be handed the job. Like, I don't think that should be the, the case. Now, part of that is the guys behind them. It's their job to not let that be the case, to, to step up themselves. So I think that's a big big opportunity for the guys behind them to to step up and really increase their level of play as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be looked at either way. I, I just I, I kind of worry, worry about the, the chemistry, especially on the offensive line, which is so important, mm-hmm. and those guys uh, getting it going. But uh, you're right. I mean, like Vocalex, a guy you can you can count on. Um, you know, I, I, again, the offense might change with terminology and stuff, but he'll be there. He's a veteran. Um, you, don't, you don't have to worry too much about that um, with him. But especially for Gabe Irvin, you know, it is it's one of those things where, I mean, that, that, that room more more than any um, has like names to it, right? The wide receiver room yeah. has a couple guys um, that have played and you think will maybe play the leader and they're looking for like a third and fourth wide receiver and, and guys like, like Frost said to kind of go in and out. So everybody stays fresh and like that. But I, I think with, with Xavier Betts and Omar Manning there, you kind of feel like you have your, your heavy hitters up front and you need some depth there running back. It's more just like the starters open the, the, yeah. the backup running back. If it's going to be by committee, how many, many are they going to go? Maybe three, but there's seven in the room and there's guys there from last year that are competent and and, and able and, and feeling and you feel like pretty solid with the Ramir Johnson, you know, Jock Yant, Grave Irvin um, group, but now they 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 apparently were not ready to settle with that because they went out and, and got some of the top names, um, you know, the top Juco running back. They were pitching to A.J. Allen before bringing him on and, and, and bringing him over. Um, that you know that that's that's what he's coming in to compete for. It's not you know sit a year and wait for the depth of play out. It's the starting spots open. So um, I think that that will hurt Gabe Irvin. But obviously um, you know there's nothing you can do about those injuries. Uh, and and hopefully when he gets back, I mean he was at a point where he was they were starting him as a true freshman. So hopefully he can get back to that level. What's interesting about the running back room? Scott Frost said today that he hadn't heard of AJ Allen before he interviewed Brian Applewhite. So when we talk about this running back by committee, and this is clearly speculation, but when we talk about running back by committee or how they want to handle or approach the running back room as a whole, it's going to be interesting to see if if a guy like Brian Applewhite would rather just have one or two guys have that job or if they're willing, they want to do the running back by committee thing because I think it's going to be interesting to see how that running back room changes from Ryan Held to Brian Applewhite. And especially... If Scott Frost didn't know who A.J. Allen was before talking to Brian Applewhite a couple weeks ago when he got the job, then that's interesting in itself that they did work on him really, really quick. Now, obviously, Applewhite coming from TCU, A.J. Allen was um, AJ Allen was committed to TCU. He was still technically was this morning, but there weren't many thoughts that, that he was going to go there. He, it was between Nebraska and Mississippi State, it sounded like. But um, A.J. Allen now is a guy that you wonder, is he going to be able to have an opportunity to to play a bigger role with that relationship previously with Brian Applewhite, and now he's here in Nebraska, and it'll just be interesting to see how they do it from a from a, a usage standpoint from committee with Brian Applewhite instead of Ryan Held at at, at the leader or at, as the coach of that running back room. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, it, it, so it could change the strategy. That was one position that, um, you know, that, that there was a reason why Ryan Held is no longer here. It's kind yeah. of been a little underwhelming um, with Frost so far at Nebraska. So maybe some different eyes, some a different strategy uh, will be in play there. And I just hope that I, and I think that you've got enough capable bodies um, that somebody will start to separate from the group. I don't know about a number one. I mean, in college football these days or football in general these days, usually need two or three. But, you you know, maybe one guy can get a lion's share of the carries. Um, and, you know, I, I think that they have yeah. enough talent there um, 
to separate a little bit. And at worst, if you fall back and, and nothing, nobody beats out what – and Ramir Johnson doesn't get That's, any better, yeah. at least you have Ramir Johnson who's a capable back. Well, think about how wild it was last year. We were having that conversation like, yeah, there's a lot of bodies here. You have Marquis Stepp coming in now, and Savion Morrison has a year under his belt, and, and Marvin Scott has a year where we saw him his freshman year. And so we felt that we felt good about the running back room going into last year, because also they told us that they wanted to have one guy take the job. Then nobody yeah. did, and boom! What do you know? Halfway through the season, Ramir Johnson, who started fifth on the depth chart, is your number one guy now. So it's just it's weird how it shakes out, and we're gonna look at it in the middle of of October, saying this is nothing like we expected. Probably, yeah. I mean, because it's hard to expect anything. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know what you expect. <laughs> they say they should have like lines on this running yeah. back position in Vegas, and uh, I think they'd all come out pretty interesting. Uh, let's go to the Honda of Lincoln Hotline four two four six four five six eight five. This is the Ticket Water Cooler. Chris, how you doing today? Got, uh, great show, guys. Yep, doing great. And, you know, Frost has now officially dominated five straight off seasons. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> on that. That's a big win. That's right. Uh, and uh, they could win a game. That'd be even better. So we'll find out. <laughs> Chris, if these, they won uh, three. Amazing off seasons uh, ever turn into anything. Um, and we've had great, great talent at running back now for five straight years. Yeah. And we had a horrible running back coach who did not know how to separate running backs. Um, and so, you know, if we do have uh, a coach now that, you know, is going to give one guy 15 to 20 carries, then divide up the other 10 or 15 carries between the second and third string guy, that would be great. Because you can't, you know, it doesn't often work. It rarely works, the running back by committee. That's usually a pretty terrible idea, almost as bad as the uh, we're going to play two quarterbacks um, situation that, that some coaches put themselves in. Um, but, uh uh, you know, it'd be, and, and, and I, I don't think, um, oh, uh, the running back that's returning, he's not, he has no vision. Ramir? Um, Ramir Johnson, yeah, great speed, but no vision. There are tons of times where if he just makes a cut, he's off to the races last year. Um, so I, I hope they have someone uh, better than Ramir, but, he, but he's a capable, uh, capable running back who can catch the ball and, and can block. But you know, hopefully they they simplify the the the, uh, the game plan because that's what has absolutely killed the team. Um, you know, if it's one or two guys that can't figure out the uh, uh, the the playbook, that's one thing. But year after year, we have five, six, seven guys that can't figure out the playbook, and that means that Frost has too difficult a playbook. Um, and if he doesn't simplify that, then you know he might be gone by the fifth game this year. So. Hopefully he does that. Yeah, thanks for the call, Chris. And, uh, yeah, fifth, really fifth game, I think it's a possibility. We see with, um, you know, coaches being let go so early these days in, in, in college football. I think that that is one thing about Ramir. I don't, I don't know if I'd say it's always vision. I mean, a lot of younger ba- you know, running backs, it kind of takes time to get into that. We even saw with Dedrick Mills at times that was a struggle, kind of adjusting to the new level of play. But, you know, that's kind of something that Steve Sibble kind of points out a lot is, you know, um, looking for some somebody that gets you more than what's blocked for. And mm-hmm. I don't know if Ramir always um, does that. But again, he, he's pretty young. He's just starting to get into experience. I think that um, there's this idea that he is who he is. And, and, and maybe it's because you don't necessarily see flashes of an Amir Abdullah or something like that. But yeah. um, he can get better. He can improve. And, and he could turn into a guy that gets you more than what's blocked for. You know, it, it kind of has the vision to turn it on. Well, what's interesting from Chris's call there was that 
he mentioned, you know, have get a guy that can get 15, 20 carries, then you can divide the up the, the rest up between the second and third guy. I think that's a big part in this because we're, we're not saying that there needs to just be one guy that takes 25 plus carries a game and, and that's just your dude. Nobody else plays. That's not that's not at least what I'm saying at all. Um, I, I'm firmly in the boat of you can divide the carries, but there needs to be one guy that you allow to get in a rhythm. There can't be one series that you have three carries in, in a series. You go three and out after three carries for six yards and go, oh, well, that didn't work with Marquis Step. So let's go with Savion Morrison next drive. Let's go with, like, against Illinois, for example. Marquis Step scored the first touchdown of the season for Nebraska and then was non-existent. Now, is that a, pract- a deal going on within practice where he's not – um, you know, taking the, and keeping that job, still fighting for that job, then that's a whole other discussion. But there, there needs to be one guy where you allow to get into a rhythm to be in, to an extent, um, because if not, then you're not going to allow anybody. You have to allow people to take the job if they want. There it has to be a, a two-way street, right? You have to allow somebody to take the job, but one guy also has to want to take the job, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I mean, and the, the opportunities especially will be fought for um, leading up to the games. But in, in game, I thought they started to do that with Ramir. Ramir, like, mm-hmm. did separate himself as the number one back there uh, before getting injured late. Um, but you're right. I mean, there was other times, like, obviously against Northwestern when Yant really popped off and you go, man, yep. that guy looks great. Or, or what was that? What game was that? One of them um, where they didn't end up winning, but they had, like, one drive of Yant and it was great and they didn't put him back. So it was a lot of, like, changing. Well, because he messed up that one play. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he up read a, one play wrong, yeah. and and he was gone. Yeah, and he's got and, and and that that was a part of him. I mean, he's got yep. a lot of talent, but not necessarily caught up on on everything else that it takes to be a running back uh, at this level. And so maybe this offseason, I mean, I think to, as far as the guy I I saw last year. He's definitely got the most potential, you know, upside. I mm-hmm. feel like um, if he can kind of figure all that other stuff out. I'm curious your thoughts here on um, with with. The running back room also, one thing we have to think about, how is the the offense going to change in its entirety with with, uh, with a guy like Casey Thompson and Mark Whipple now? Because you have to also have a guy back there that you trust to pass block. That's a big part of it. Oh, yeah. Giving Casey Thompson some time back there if a defender reaches reaches the backfield. Or receiving back, right? We know Ramir Johnson can catch out of the backfield. There, there's a couple parts here that are really interesting when you're talking about finding a guy that can kind of do it all and that you trust, right? That trust factor is a huge thing with this staff. We've seen it over and over again. So that's another, that's another piece of the puzzle that they have to find where the guy that they trust to carry the ball and to, to be a pass blocker slash receiving back as well. Yeah, and that'll certainly give certain guys a, a you know a leg up. I think um, you know, like you said, I mean, there's some guys that 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 maybe like a Marquis step that you, you kind of forget about. But I mean, they yeah. they they put him in in there at the end of the season um, as a complete surprise to everybody, but because of his pass um, blocking, you know, protection altogether so it's, it's kind of interesting to see if the most well-rounded back will get that job uh we got to take a quick break here on the ticket water cooler brought to you by Colligan water when we come back head coach of the lincoln stars coach R- russo going to join us next also your chance to win a four pack of tickets to this uh saturday's match with omaha the hated lancers the rivals <laughs> so we'll talk with uh, coach russo of the stars coming up next year on the ticket water cooler